This is DevOps and Agile Way Podcast. Hello everyone, this is another episode of my podcast and today I have really big honor to have great guest with me and I'm presenting to you Helen Beal, who is the main person for us DevOps Institute ambassadors to contact and uh, not only for us but for everyone who is interested in DevOps, in value stream mapping, Helen is the best person to contact first. Helen, thank you very much for joining me today. I, I really appreciate uh, your time and uh, yeah, I'm kind of speechless. Uh, thank you for the help. invitation. I'm very happy to be here. All right. So we work together with this uh, program, ambassador program in DevOps Institute, right? And DevOps Institute mentioned very often that this is the human side of DevOps. I start from like a high level right now. So how you become interested in this part of DevOps? Well, you know, we many of us think about DevOps like uh, this is Dev and Ops, closing the gap, technicalities, roadmaps. Right now we have this, yes, we have this bar- burger now, right? DevOps burger, which I honestly speaking hate. <laughs> well, yes, the humans of DevOps. Um... Yeah, so my background was I did an English literature and language degree and then ended up at IBM. And then it was probably 15 years in my career, something like that, when DevOps sort of started to emerge. And I was quite deep in deployment automation at the time, so quite quite technical, quite um, kind of point solution between Dev and Ops. I came across DevOps. And it was one of the things that really excited me about DevOps was the cultural element. So a lot of people do make the assumption that it's all about the technology and the tools. But when we look at definitions like CALMS, which came out after the the first DevOps days in Mountain View, which was one of the very first in the world um, in California, and um, Damon Edwards and John Willis sat down and tried to figure out what this DevOps thing was really about. They came up with the initial acronym. I always call it an elevator acronym because it's like an elevator pitch. It gives you a 30-second definition. Mm. Um, And the original definition or acronym was actually CAMS, so Cultural Automation Measurement and Sharing. And then Jez Humble later put the L in there. He actually put it in as CLAMS to begin with, which I really liked, but other people (laughs) didn't like that so much. It became CALMS, um, which is great. So I got really excited because, yes, the technology is really interesting, but the people process tools, you know, adage that we have in our industry is so true. We need the right people with the right skills doing the right things before the tools can properly do what they're intended to do. And I think we've spent a lot of time in our industry talking about bits and bytes and tech, and it's actually really refreshing to talk about how we feel and, you know, what burnout looks like and what stress looks Mm -hmm. like and what pain and frustration at work looks like and actually recognising that we can do something about those things and we can make the workplace much more joyful it's kind of my big mission is to bring joy Mm -hmm. to work so that human side that we've always really promoted and really championed at DevOps Institute has always been really important to me that's great and great that you mentioned calms and or clams I like it as well we very often even people who are familiar with this because uh, this I don't know if you have similar point of view but unfortunately I see that people 
don't really recognize columns as a as a framework or or whatever definition of of DevOps, right? This this is as you said in the beginning, it's automation and that's it, right? But there is the first letter of, of this in both versions is C, right? The culture. So, yeah. um, so it's not just about the people, but also about the interactions, about the whole dynamics, which which is there, right? So we cannot just simplify DevOps to just a couple of technical aspects because I mentioned this um, DevOps burger or, or any other roadmaps for DevOps. There is like so many technologies that there is no one in the world who can say that, yes, I know them all like a master and I can work with all of them, right? So so this is like a, the art of choice, I think, today. Yeah, I like that, the art of choice. Yeah, I mean, there are so many tools and any DevOps tool chain has so many tools in it and they're often from many different vendors. This is one of the big challenges. And we're going to talk about value stream management later. And this is one of the challenges that value stream management or BSM sets out to, to solve is the heterogeneity or the, var- the wild variations across different tool chains in organizations. And you're right, nobody, nobody can know it all. And actually, if you look at things like the Wikipedia entry for DevOps, that really focuses on it being a cultural movement as well. Um, mm-hmm. We start our DevOps Foundation course with the comms um, definition. We talk about what culture looks like, what good DevOps culture looks like. We talk quite extensively about things like the cultural iceberg. We go into quite some detail about the kind of behaviors that we're looking for um, in a DevOps culture, that DevOps is everyone's job. Um, we look at things like Ron Westrom's research, which, which is also widely explored in the state of DevOps um, reports, particularly the more recent ones with the Dora team via Google. So looking at how we treat messengers, how we um, how we make information available and we don't hide it away, how we lead. Obviously, transformational leadership is a big part of it. Psychological safety is, is huge as Google, again, identified in Project Aristotle. Um, it's the number one factor um, that will define or the characteristic of a highly performing team. So there, there are so many human and behavioral elements. I think we are just trained, particularly in this industry, to be so focused on the tech that we... We yeah. forget that we're we're kind of blobs of organic matter with brains and feelings and emotions and reactions and behaviors. Yeah, like it was like I think one of the first episodes of uh, Star Trek: New Generation, right? Ugly bugs of mostly water, right? So yes, that was exactly. the description of um, of uh, humankind. Well, interesting perspective, anyway. Right. Once again, coming back to calms, because uh, you know, with DevOps, we didn't answer to every question, right? Kind of obvious. And one of those questions is the question about the security. That's why we have DevSecOps and the whole principles around this. But what do you think? Is this valid to try maybe to change the S, the letter S in Calm's model from sharing? Because sharing is part of the culture, I think, at at least, I think that, uh, to security. Could this make the picture more complete? Oh, that's a really interesting question. So <laughs> I think the sharing word is really important and it may seem less important, but when we look at um, the traditional ways that dev and ops have worked together, they weren't very good at sharing. So things would happen like code would get thrown over the you know the legendary wall of confusion and land in the ops team and there would be very little doc- documentation or explanation and then something would go wrong and then we'd have have uh, people's hair on fire 
we'd have finger pointing, we'd have the blame game. So I think sharing is really fundamental. For me also, it's a really well-established cultural artifact in the DevOps industry. Even if not everyone recognizes that, I would encourage yeah. them to, to, to treat that as a foundational reference point of where DevOps has come from and, and where it's going. So I hesitate to change the S. I know that some uh, Agile scale, scale frameworks, I think SAFE, have mm-hmm. actually changed it to safety, I think, in, or some mm-hmm. other word in yeah. that one of their big pictures, which makes me uncomfortable because, as I say, it's taking a well-established cultural artifact and editing it. Mm-hmm. The DevSecOps conversation is a very interesting one, however, as well. On Tuesday of this mm-hmm. week, I was at a JFrog conference presenting mm-hmm. on flow in DevSecOps. And I opened, as I generally do, can't you try and tell a story, don't you? So the beginning is always a bit of a setting of the stage and how we got here. Um, and I talked about, you know, things like security being the last word in the subtitle of the Dev. Ops handbook being the last two chapters 23 and 24 in the DevOps handbook um, and how it's yeah. been a bit of an afterthought and I always remember when DevOps Institute first released our very first version of the DevSecOps engineer course um, I went and spoke at an RSA conference in Belfast so this must have been six seven years ago probably now and I was on the DevSecOps track and a gentleman there called Gareth Rushgrove, who worked for the UK government, the digital.gov um, organization, who'd done enormous amounts with DevOps, really impressive for a government organization, mm-hmm. um, was also on the track. And he said to me that he was quite uncomfortable with the word DevSecOps. And I, I was a little mm-hmm. surprised because we were on the DevSecOps track. So I asked him, you know, what is it that's making you uncomfortable? And he said, well, a couple of things. One, People are struggling so hard to understand what DevOps is, that adding another term is multiplying the problem. I said, that's very valid. You know, we've consciously avoided firm definitions of DevOps because we want it to evolve. On the other hand, that makes things really hard for people to really get a grip on what it is. And he said, the other problem is that one of the problems with the DevOps implementation patterns that we're seeing is that people are creating separate DevOps teams. So Mm. we're trying to bring dev and ops teams together, but we've created a third team, the DevOps team now. So we've created yet another way to separate, generate friction and handoffs and waste and delays. So I said, yeah, those points are very valid. People may now do DevSecOps teams as well. However, the other part of me felt that, um, and I've always used this analogy, and I used to feel it was a little bit politically incorrect, but I do think it works. I feel like it's a little bit like feminism. So... Until mm-hmm. we have equality around things like equal pay and all sorts of other mm-hmm. things, you know, maternity, paternity leave, there's lots of different examples we can think of that are part of the patriarchal hangover that we currently live in. Um, until we have equality, we need feminism to, to balance the ranks. And for me, that's what DevSecOps is doing. It's saying we need to give security that extra attention mm-hmm. until it's part and parcel and just naturally part of what we do in DevSecOps. Um, On reflection now in 2023, I think we're quite close, actually. I work um, with quite a few companies, some were actually at that conference earlier on this week, who don't use the term DevOps. They use the term DevSecOps. If you look Mm -hmm. at GitLab's state of DevSecOps surveys, 
they're really talking about DevOps. It's just become kind of the standard term. There is a term that makes me more uncomfortable, which is Sec DevOps. Do you have any opinions yeah. on that? Um, so yeah, uh, you know that. <laughs> It is kind of opinionated, right? Because uh, we are like um, used to to DevOps term or DevSecOps terms. It 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 looks like natural for us, maybe. So, so that why a sec DevOps. Uh, yes, I I don't like this, and I also don't like. I never heard it honestly. Like DevOps sec, it even sounds strangely. Of course, from the perspective of people who are the security folks, it has like a better sounding sec devops but i think devsecops is quite good construction with sec in the middle which is overarching everything yeah it it sounds like natural flow for me i can live with this i cannot live with another terms like uh, you know uh, dev test ops dev test secops or dev sec test ops or dev qa ops i even coined the ones named the full stack ops. And uh, unfortunately, some people like it. So, well, if, if you will hear it someday, it's my fault, uh, probably. So, yeah, but DevSecOps is not something else than DevOps, right? It's DevOps Plus or uh, DevOps with exposed focus on the security, right? Which is always important part of the of the delivery of the flow right so those things like shift left like everyone is responsible for everything etc etc it's it's is quite important and this everyone is responsible uh, leads me to some thought which i had like a couple of weeks ago so we are familiar with this t-shaped people right so they have like different skills we have also the x-shaped people right now very popular or beginning to be very popular i just coined like octopus people so so there will be like more skills in one person do you think this is possible at all to have like this kind of wide skill set with different uh, really different um roles in, in this, right? Because this is like a technical skills related to development, technical skills related to the operations, uh, technical skills uh, related to the delivery from development to operations, um, then security, also human kind of skill with uh, leading, sharing, etc. Et is this possible to connect all of them? Yeah, all these different um, shaped people, isn't it? I I used to have a slide where we had, I think it was T, Pi and E, and there's also comb-shaped people that we talk about as well. And I remember being um, with some learning and development, basically HR people, and saying, what do you think of these concepts? And they looked at the pie, and it was pie like the Greek letter, not like a pie that you'd eat, but they were like, you can't say people are pie-shaped. I was like, that's not what I'm saying. But that was quite amusing. Um, but yeah, the comb-shaped one is quite similar to the octopus. And I think this is a really interesting and ongoing debate and I think it's it's caused by some fundamental principles that underpin both agile and devops in that what we're trying to move from is a siloed environment and the silos traditionally have been groups of SMEs or subject matter experts so they've been um, those I-shaped people where they've been like a mainframe expert or they've been a DBA, DB2 or sorry a DBA a database administrator expert you know they've been very specific to one technology and as you say very very deep in them um, but as we move to agile and we want multifunctional teams we don't just necessarily want multifunctional people in them we, as in like we don't just necessarily want a person 
that does this and a person that does that. We might want a person that is multifunctional themselves because we only want small teams, remember. We want two pizza teams. So we might need somebody that knows DB2 and MQ and Python and something uh, in that team. So it's become more naturally kind of required as we move to a more agile organizational design. I think there's another element to this, though, which I think and I hope that the technology is supporting these ambitions. So we're talking increasingly about developer experience and then around that employee experience and then extending into total experience, so recognising that user experience and customer experiences, all those experiences are all completely connected. So if you've got developers that are having a great experience, it's likely the customers will be as well because the developers will be able to respond to their needs and give them what they need very, very quickly. Um, and I think when we look at the increase in low code, no code, and then more recently as well, AI, particularly generative mm. AI and the large language language models, the more this becomes in reach, your octopus person, the more it becomes in reach that a person can fully understand the business workflow and actually code or use a low code tool with some generative AI to back them up to build something that's useful, then perhaps have another octopus that they link to that have excellent coding skills to do some peer review and some QA with them um, before together they can probably release it using a CICD tool, which are fairly accessible to people now. When I when I was doing deployment automation um, prior to DevOps, what I was meeting in organizations were people that had basically built what I would call script monsters. So what would happen is they'd be manually re- releasing and then one day they'd go, God, I do this all the time. I'm just going to script that piece. And then they'd script another piece and another piece. And over several weeks, months, even years, sometimes they had this big ball of scripts. And it worked most of the time. But when it didn't, they were the only person that knew what went wrong with it. And it was completely unscalable. Um, And it was hard to sell to these people because you basically had to tell them that their baby was ugly, which obviously nobody wants to hear that. Um, But, you know, then I met organizations like Hiscox, one of the companies that I worked with very early on, it was very early DevOps um, adopter. Um, and when they implemented CICD, one of the, the big kind of like aha moments they had was that they suddenly were able to release the process of releasing to potentially thousands of people. They didn't need thousands of people to do it, but instead of one person, tens of people could now do it, which made a huge difference for them. And it could have been thousands if they needed it to be. And everyone understood what was going on. There was a full audit trail. There was version control. They could roll back. They could roll forward. And, you know, now they're probably doing like progressive releases. That wasn't really a thing in the early days of DevOps. I think it's quite well established now. Do you think progressive Mm -hmm. deployment? I think so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's true. You touched now the the point, which is very interesting for me because I, I hit this. Uh, let's say issue a couple of times. It's, it's the mentality of the people who are entering into this DevOps world. Sometimes they are pushed or even forced to enter this this world. They are in the development mentality, like from eighties, nineties, or early two thousand, and they do great job. In their eyes, their product is working very well. Okay, the flow is maybe not that perfect, but it works, so why to change, right? So how we should, from human perspective this time, talk with or interact with those people who are pushed, forced to be, be in DevOps world? Is this possible at all to, you know, to push someone to, to change the, the mindset? Because this is the mindset, right? 
This is a, a huge question, by the way. So what I used to say when I was consulting, I don't do a lot of it at the moment, but when I'd consult with organisations and that the early on, I would say what you're actually trying to do is not adopt technology. What you're trying to do is change the way of working and the way of thinking across your people. And that might be tens, hundreds, thousands or tens of thousands of people that we have to convince every single individual that there's a better way for them as an individual. So we effectively have to work out what everybody's personal motivation is and what's going to make it better for them. Mm. Now, we are wired to resist. And this is part of, I talk quite a lot about the neuroscience of DevOps, and this is one of the important pieces. And there's a lady called Dr. Britt Andrietta, and she's written a number of books, Wired To, and one of them is Wired To Resist. And she explains how uh, it's evolution. It's basically as simple as if you're walking through the savannah and the bush looks different to what it did yesterday, it might have a lion in it that's about to eat you. So we're wired to be fearful and mistrustful of change because it could mm. be bad for us. Um, but there are other ways that our brain is wired around novelty as well, right? So actually we do move towards new things naturally also. So we have to kind of balance the fear um, and the novelty. And the, the fear factor becomes a lot worse if people have been through change programs which have gone horribly wrong previously. So it, it's a huge topic. Um, I often also use the technology adoption curve, the crossing the chasm sort of bell curve that Jeffrey Moore um, brought into popularity because you can apply that not just to technology adoption in a market but also to um, the people in an organization so you can get people to plot themselves and say I'm an innovator or I'm an early majority and people normally have a quite good sense of where they are and you can try and plot an organization and say okay we've got most of your people now we're up to kind of mid mid majority but the other thing that that technology bell, adoption bell curve tells us is there's also the the laggards. It's a bit of a pejorative term. You can say the conservatives, that's a bit political, but the people that are, you know, may never come to the party. And they, there does sometimes become a point where the, the organisation has gone so far that, that it's not the place for them to be anymore. And that's, you know, that's just the a reality of life but yeah it's a, a huge question how to bring people on change mm. there's tools around it if you look at our devops leader course um there's a lot of tools like stakeholder mapping in there storytelling um some behavioral science looking at natural biases all sorts of things to try and help leaders um tackle those thorny topics when we're trying to do a wholesale change so generally we can uh, give the best answer from devops right it depends on the situation it's work it's evolutionary it's it's highly personal highly human it takes really good leadership that aren't trying to tell people what to do but are trying to understand what people are motivated by and how to get people working towards a common purpose so um yeah it's it's a lot of work but it is possible there's many many examples of organizations that have done it successfully mm. now so, so yeah, with this optimistic element, we uh, leave our audience for now and we will meet Helen again in next week. Thank you, Helen, for the first part of this interview and see you very soon. Such a pleasure. See you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of DevOps and Agile Way podcast with your host, Pavey Kivac. Subscribe, comment, and do not forget to check our next episodes. Stay tuned. Stay safe. Stay curious.